it says 7-7, seven, seven, but it's actually not. It's 7-8, but then we have the last verse from last time. But, Zechariah, I was almost going to go around and ask people, hey, tell me, so I don't have to give the same introduction every time. So now you want. Next time I preach, I will go and ask you. So listen very carefully. No. Okay, so uh, we're in Sakurai. Uh, this one I call Diamond Hot Hots. I don't know. It's interesting. But Sakurai. It's written in this period. Uh, 520 to 515 is where Sakurai prophesizes. We can see the timeline here. Uh, the Jews had been exiled. We're going to talk a lot about talk about that today. Cyrus the king, pagan king, decrees that they go and go back and rebuild the uh, the temple. So some people return. Uh, the altar of the temple is built. They start constructing the temple, but it stopped. Internal turmoil, outside pressure, and then Zechariah comes along with Obadiah to encourage them to continue the work that they had done. And then we have the completion of the temple. Uh, those are the areas of those people, and we can see how little land they have at this point. It's very small, and there's lots of enemies around now. They were supposed, this was supposed to be their promised land, some of it, not, mo not that part, but this part. But now it's all in disrepair, all, or not disrepair, it's, it's taken by lots of other kingdoms. It's not their land. This is how they go back from exile. And also this one, that's just more maps, how they're taken out, how they're taken back. In the storyline of the Bible, we're nearing, we're nearing the New Testament, uh, but there's still gonna be a, a lot of time, uh, 400, uh, four, 500 years. Uh, you can see the Babylonian exile is where there's no books on top, but there's books underneath. Uh, so they have the, prof the prophets over here talking to the people as in kings and when there's bad kings and uh, saying all the things we're going to hear today. Um, we have the Babylonian exile where we have Daniel and Ezekiel prophesying. And then we start the rebuilding and then we have Ezra, Esther. And then we are now over in the other part uh, with Nehemiah, and then we have Zechariah. So this is like in the story of God's people. We're moving towards your right. And so we are over there in the story of God's people and story of redemption. All right. Let us read. Before we read, this is uh, the second response to a question that was asked last time, if they could stop fasting for the destruction of the temple and the, uh, the killing of the governor. So this is, again, uh, just recapping. Last time they got a response from God that was a question. We asked them, when you fasted, who was it for? When you ate and drank, wasn't it for yourself? Um, so God again comes and uh, we read in 8. 
And the word of the Lord came to Zechariah. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Render true judgments. Show kindness and mercy to one another. Do not oppress the widow and the fatherless, the sojourner or the poor. And let none of you devise evil against one another in your heart. But they refused to pay attention and turn a stubborn shoulder and stop their ears that they might not hear. They made their hearts diamond hard, lest they should hear the law and the words of the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Therefore, great anger came from God of hosts. As I called, and they would not hear, so they called, and I would not hear, says the Lord of hosts. And I scattered them, oh, that's hard to say, we will wind among all the nations that they had not known, thus the land was left desolate, so that no one went to and fro, and the pleasant land was made desolate. All right, if you are a note taker or a kid, uh, today there is uh, three, uh, there is some points you can note down. Um, there's three things that are uh, good things to do. We're called to do three things. And then there is um, at least two things we should not do. So, uh, three things we should do, and at least three things we should not do. So, if you can write them down, and then we can, you can show them to me, you can show it to each other as we go through. Alright. So the word of the Lord comes again in response after Zechariah had just given one word from the Lord. People call some of this section called it's, it's like a sermon that he gets from God that he's supposed to preach to them in response to their questions. Kind of like a Q&A with God. They ask a question and God asks them questions about where their hearts are. And so the word of the Lord comes and so here's the positive side. They are asked, he's, the, the, the God responds and says, render true judgment. Show kindness and mercy to one another. So God starts on the positive side. This is, this is the way you should act with one another. Now, mm, there could be some problems uh, since God has to say this probably they're not really doing this but then moving on God says to the negative side he says do not oppress the widow the fatherless the sojourner the poor and so he's (coughs) he's telling them don't do that and then I think the second one is maybe even more um, 
know, scary or at least goes towards their hearts, he says, don't make evil, don't make up evil in your hearts against one another. So the positive God says they render true judgments, probably because they didn't always do that. And then show kindness and mercy to one another. And then he says the negative note, don't oppress people, don't oppress the weak, the fatherless, the soldier, and the poor. And then don't make up evil against one another in your hearts. We can say what God here does is he's kind of just uh, summing up what the law said and what the prophets said. It's just a short, short summation of those things. The Spirit of God had, had the, as we saw in the schedule, in the schedule on the, uh, had sent the prophets, plenty of them, to ask them to like, stop cheating each other in business, like render true judgment. Uh, Stop oppressing the poor. I made a system for you to take care of the poor. Stop doing it. Stop oppressing the weak. I've also, I have also in your history shown you a lot of kindness and mercy. You messed up plenty of times where I took you back. So do that to other people. Now I said a long time ago. I can't even remember. I think it was in. I think it was in this sermon series. I think that that when when God shows Himself uh, in the in the Bible and through His law, w in, in this case, God is asking them to do something. He said, like, render to judgment, show kindness and mercy. Don't oppress the poor, the weak. When, when God is doing that, he's also showing us who he is. Because what God asks people to do is a reflection of who he is. So God is true. God always renders true judgment. God, may, God is a God that's slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and he slows kindness and mercy to many. So it's very good, like somebody, I can't remember, this was a long time ago, that always asks like, oh, but what, when you read something in the Bible, what, what it is, what, it's not just, it's not just um, things and descriptions. A lot of times we can see and learn who God is through it. And when God speaks through his spirit, through Zechariah and the prophets, God's speaking who he is. So he says he's truthful. He says he's rendered true, true judgments. That he shows kindness and mercy to many. God then kind of gives a description of his people also, which is not as, as he is. He, he calls his people, or he says again, as he did through the prophets, stop perverting justice and judgments. There's so many in the law, many, many, um, uh, many things about don't take a bribe, don't let yourself be swayed, don't use false scales, don't do all those things, and don't pervert judgment. 
Now, the, the, unfortunately, as today, that's been done, and it was done in trade and in business, it was done socially. People were, there was a very elaborate system to help the poor, uh, that they could come and glean and they could do different things. There was uh, things that they could do to help them so that the, the poor had a chance. Now, unfortunately, like today, uh, it seems like people were not doing that. Instead, God has to call them to show kindness and mercy. And he says, don't oppress the weak, the widow, the fatherless, the sojourner, the poor. God is very, very occupied with those people in the Old Testament. He seems a lot of times very occupied with the ones who don't have anybody to protect them. The fatherless, the sojourner, and many of you are sojourners. You come from a different place, but you found a place to be. You are also with no family. You're also in a place where maybe you don't know what your rights is. I've unfortunately seen this many times with international students that are being taken advantage of. The widow. Sometimes the widow in the West is not necessarily as bad uh, as, as in a as in a bad state as she would have been in the old days, because things have changed. At that time, the widow would have also no one to defend her. No one to bring in income. She would also be vulnerable. That has changed over time. And, and then the poor. They were the ones that had nobody to defend them. And they were, they were uh, vulnerable of being taken advantage of. And unfortunately, people did that. And you could say, well, why should Israel have known better? Well, because God told them to, but also because they themselves had been sojourners for many years and slaves. So they should treat the sojourner, the fatherless, the widow, and the poor the way that God had treated them. And now, a lot of it, I think, I don't know about you, but I think it's really, it's a, it's a profoundly sobering uh, line when it says, and let none of you devise evil against one another in your heart. Wow. I was like, that is, I mean, it's very good that God opposes that, but it also maybe forces them and us to look into our hearts. Because it, uh, maybe we meditate more on this one where Paul contrast this love one another, outdo one another in serving and lo loving one another. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you, that people may know that you are my disciples, that you have love for one another. But God here has to point out, stop devising and plotting evil against one another in your heart. 
And like I said before, it's not been, it's not new. It's what the Spirit had inspired all the prophets to say, especially in this case, uh, Jeremiah and Isaiah that came before. They call God's people back. Turn back, turn back. Don't worship idols. Don't oppress one another. Don't devise evil in your hearts. Even back to Moses that warned that there was a blessing and a curse. And the curse would be to be thrown out of the land. Just as God had thrown out the inhabitants that there was there before because of their disobedience. But they refused to pay attention and turned a stubborn shoulder. <laughs> I was like, okay, I have a stubborn shoulder. Uh, somebody said it was because um, when you try to yoke, uh, when you try to like put something on an animal, that it would just like keep moving the shoulder so you could not put it on. So instead of listening to what's being done, they would like keep moving the shoulder so you couldn't put the yoke on. That, that's what he's referring to here, but most of us have never ever done anything with animals, so, <laughs> so, so, but, uh, but a stubborn shoulder, they would not listen. And then the next one, I think we can, we can maybe, uh, uh, we can maybe understand better. They, they stopped their ears, like, we have it in uh, in the New Testament when Stephen is stoned. They like do this in their ears. We don't want to listen. We don't want to listen. We don't want to listen. Um, or you put like cotton or cheese or entertainment or stuff in your ears, so you don't want to listen to what the laws and what the prophets was saying. They made their ears unable to hear. And instead of having a soft heart, a heart of flesh, they made their hearts diamond hot. So they were unable to listen to the law and the words, words that the Lord of hosts has spoken by his spirit through the prophets. So the state of the people, because they refused to listen, was in a hardening and hardening and hardening and hardening of their hearts. Uh, the Hebrew is that they made their um, ears heavy so they could not hear. But for us it's probably easier to understand to put stuff in, something in your ear. So instead of having their hearts softened, their hearts become as hot as the hottest um, stone you can find. Some of your translations would say flint, um, but it would be even hotter than that. So what they do makes them unable to listen. then we see the unfortunate thing that happens then 
well, first, there's a great part is that God had sent his law through his spirit and he has sent his spirit to his prophets to speak. But God <laughs> did not stay happy that they continued to have hot hearts and stop their ears. Instead, great anger came from the Lord of hosts. And that's why the temple was destroyed and the land was laid the land that was supposed to flow with milk and honey was deserted. The, tr the curse came true. What we talked about last time was they come to ask if they can stop their fast. God just outlines the whole thing. You don't understand why I destroyed the temple. You're still stubborn. You still don't listen. You got judged because you guys had made your ears heavy and your hearts diamond hard. But God then in his great mercy, kindness, making true judgment, he had freed his people from slavery in Egypt and they delivered them again and again. But they rejected God. God judged his people. But if you just sneak peek into the next chapter, you can see that God again returns with love and jealousy for his people, wanting his people to return. Okay. In the Bible, it's always easy to point fingers and, and say, well, if that was me, I would have done it way differently. So what does this have to do with us? Well, what it would it mean for us to render true judgments? Well, it will mean that we've not taken a position before we've even heard the case. It would mean that we don't let our biases influence so that we cannot hear what people are saying. That we aren't looking to gain something from the case, like bribes or other things. That we have a heart that's been remade and that is looking for the right and true judgment. That we're not out to pervert the truth. And when sin is uncovered, we don't try to cover it back up. Even if it's our own. We also don't cover up failures and say they didn't happen. We expose what really happened. And we do it by God's Spirit to try it, to live it out. What God would have us to do. That we won't lie and we won't be making schemes and plans. And you'll be like, but we're not perfect. No, we're not perfect. But God is. And if we can seek Him and seek His Word, we can have soft hearts to listen to the words of God and know how to judge rightly.
I was writing, I was just reading my notes and they didn't make sense, so we'll skip that part. Uh, <laughs> then God has a great appeal to his people. Show mercy and kindness. I saw somebody I saw somebody and there's also somebody in maybe in my family and myself that has the tendency to just say whatever is true. Now we should render true judgments. Absolutely. But we have something in the New Testament that calls you speak the truth in love. So instead of destroying one another, we can, because we've been shown mercy and kindness, when things are uncovered, we can see it and render true judgment, but we can also show mercy and kindness. Yes, this is what happened. You actually do owe me. You sinned against me. But I will not take revenge. Because God has shown me kindness and mercy. So when God asks his people to render true judgments, it's a side of who God is. But also how do we do that and how do we live it out is also part of who God is, to show mercy and kindness. That doesn't mean we don't address things. It doesn't mean we sweep things under the rug. No, we deal with it, and but we can do it with mercy and kindness. And we see that in God's story with his people because unfortunately God's people reject God again and again. But he comes to them again and again. We see judgment happening in the Bible. We see it the first time, judgment and salvation kind of with Adam and Eve when they fail. Then so we see it with Noah and then we see it with Sodom and Gomorrah, we see it with, but we see it also through God judging his people in the judges and in the different things of I'm bringing sa saviors, small saviors, to, to deliver his people all the time when they cry to God. So we see God rendering true judgment, but he also shows kindness and mercy, and as Jonathan says, often he is very patience. But we saw his patience here run out with his people and he led them into exile. <coughs> so what we have from verses reminding we render true judgments but we do it with mercy and love with the goal of restoration. So when Paul, Paul talks about speaking the truth in love, not to tear one another down, but instead building up the body, that in love it will grow up to its head who is Christ Jesus. That is a lot, a huge contrast than to devise evil against one another in our hearts.
So in this passage, we learn that God is right. God is righteous in all His judgment. He always judges right, and He shows kindness and mercy. And so it has just the question: Do you know God in that way, or do you only know Him as a right judge? Do you know that He shows kindness? Do you know that He shows mercy, or do you only know Him as the kindness and mercy, but He doesn't judge rightly? What does God look like? Who is God in your mind? Because what we do all the time up here, we try to show you how amazing the Lord Jesus is, and how that shows how amazing God is. To expand our understanding, deepen our understanding of who and how amazing and awesome God is. God, I think, in this passage also shows Himself as a protector of the weak and vulnerable, and He asks His people to do the same. God had already made this elaborate system of how they would take care of one another. Now, they didn't do that. Some people may have done, but it didn't really work. <clears throat> so He rebukes them. He rebukes them of taking advantage of the widows and all the people that are weak. Refugees, sojourners, the poor. They were exposed and could be taken advantage of. And today we also have some of those problems as I just talked about. Today people call this social justice. I just don't like that word. Um, because I think it, I think it, I think that it misses the biggest part of what it is. You know, it's God's justice that's important. God renders the the things correctly because I think social justice fails to give the glory to God and explain that God made it up this way. That people are made in the image of God, and none, no other people should be uh, oppressed, and that we shouldn't, in our hearts, render, render, and come up with evil towards one another. Uh, I think it was because I was, I was having a hard time figuring out how exactly to say this. So as this guy say. The prophets continually emphasize the ethical aspect of God's law as are just as important as the ritual aspects. So I think what I'm what he was trying to say and what I'm trying to say is that you can't just say that it has a ritualistic religious aspect. All of life is all of life. So all of God's law is about not just how you worship God, it's also about how you live. And you can't be like a Pharisee and say, like, I do the ritualistic part 100%. Yeah, but you, you devise evil in your hearts against your neighbor, you oppress the poor. No, you can't do that. Then you're not righteous in the sight of God. You're misunderstood and only do ritual things. Yeah, again, this, I mean, as you maybe can hear, I really think, and maybe because it, it hit me a lot, th this passage of like, why does God even have to say to them, don't come up with evil in your hearts? And then we can be struck like, man, those people must be so evil, you know, thinking about how to do evil. Okay, but if we just, if we were honest, an honest reflection on this, 
throughout our days when we are offended by someone? When's the last time you cursed somebody out in your mind? You didn't know you were Christians, so you didn't do it out loud, but you did it in your mind. You lose lots of things you know you don't say out loud. When's the last time you replayed a conversation in your mind where you win the argument and you really put the other people in their place? When's the last time you hope somebody got what they deserved right now? Maybe Maybe they experienced something bad. I think God in His Word is very good at exposing our hearts, not just the hearts of the people then. What do we really think sometimes? when somebody does something or disappoints us or even accidentally hurt us and even in this side, in here when somebody lets us down when somebody hurts us how do we respond? Do we start thinking about like man, they did this, I'll do this That's not what we're called to do, but sometimes maybe we're not exactly there. That's also why the quote I think was like, you see a thousand sins in other people, but killing one of our own is so difficult. Because it makes it really difficult to just see our own. In 11 we see what happens when we don't listen to God. And we, we are, we ourselves and we, for the people we keep to pray for that don't know God, find it very hard, but it is the way it is. When we continue to not listen to God, not listen to His Word and stop our ears and do everything we can do to refuse God, Our ears will become dumb, d dull, and we'll turn away from God and run away. We will not. We will stop being able to listen. We'll make our hearts diamond hard. And we can't really complain when then God says, And then God says, I'm not going to listen to you. I remember somebody asking me about this when I was a youth uh, worker. What? Does God still do that? Does God ignore us when we call out for help? This is one of them that's actually conditional. Because Peter says, if you are a jerk to your wife, God's not going to listen to your prayers. If we have no intention 
of listening to God and only live in rebellion against Him. It will be very difficult to say on any just basis that God then should listen when we cry out to Him. But this is where God is different. Because I don't know about you, because God still spoke to me, although I was not really listening. But we can't, I think it's a weird thing when other people blame God for all sorts of things, but they have never had any intention of following God, but now it's God's fault something happened. I don't think God is obligated to hear us when we're in outright sin, running away from his word, running away from him, running away from Jesus, plotting evil against other people. I, I don't think God is obligated to listen to us when we pray then. Then we should probably be repenting and coming back to God. Instead, what happens is we make up <coughs> we make up our own religion and worship ourselves and other things that are made in in people's image. And we see that in the Bible as well, but we also see it on society today. But it was the kindness and goodness of God that is meant to lead us to repentance, as we read in Romans. True judgment comes and we get what we deserve. Now, this is one of the paradoxes of this. It's that God always renders true judgments. But this, this people have chosen the curse and not the blessing in life. It's the same thing with us. If we refuse to listen to God and come to Him by His whole, by call of His Holy Spirit, we too will have diamond hard hearts and we will get the punishment that we deserve. But But God also shows mercy and kindness. Because we talked about in Zechariah, we talk about the branch. Genesis 3, we talk about the one who will come. Later on, we'll talk about the true shepherd. He's known as Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the promised one. In Jesus, we see even more who God is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus owes kindness. He's always truthful. He rebukes false teachings and undertakings, undertaking, under, undercutting of the law. He hates self-righteousness. But he lives out grace, mercy, and goes to the cross for our sin to take the right judgment we should have gotten, punishment and death. He defeats Satan's sin and death, paying the debt 
cleaning us. As we saw jo as we saw God just to Joshua in the new clothes. The goal is always to point to how Jesus is an amazing savior and shows us who God is. Because all the things we read and all the things we say and do, they won't change us unless we get a better understanding about who God is. How amazing God is and how wonderful Jesus is and how much mercy we've gotten because what can stop us from rendering false judgments when we see how we've been forgiven? God is truthful and he will do it but we will also be able to show kindness and mercy to us when we have experienced that kindness and mercy and we can love the truth and show it in love as we've seen Jesus show it and speak the truth in love and we can live in great joy with Christ and live out what he's done in us. That's why we beg of us, none of us to have diamond heart our hearts, but instead have hearts of flesh, very soft, very open ears, wanting to worship and serve God by how we live this life, rendering two judgments, showing kindness and mercy, not oppressing the weak and the poor and not devising evil in our hearts. So may God have all the glory through Jesus Christ. Amen. God, thank you so much for this time. I thank you for time we could spend singing and time we could spend praying and time we could spend giving we could spend in your word getting to know you better. I pray that as we're going through your word, Lord, that you open up our eyes and ears, soften our hearts to who you are, and let it go deep in us. Let it shape how we walk in this life what we value, what we do. Lord, I pray that we would all understand the mercy and kindness we've been given in Jesus Christ. That you will get all the glory and we will live by your Holy Spirit the things that you've taught us. Pray you help us and encourage us to do this with great joy because of who you are, God. May you bless us all. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. And so you may stand up for the benedictions from uh, Romans. <clears throat> may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Amen.